All right, you ready to study the word today? All right, I'll take your word for that. Uh, listen, at Cultivate Church, thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us this morning, thank you so much. And I hope that everyone here senses the presence of the Lord and his sweet spirit here. Now, uh, at Cultivate Church, we're not quiet uh, during the message time. So uh, if there needs to be an amen, I expect you to throw one in there, okay? Um, if there's so, thank you. Yes, if there's something that uh, stirs you, you uh, move. And uh, we depend on the Holy Spirit to do His work. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. I want you to first turn to Revelation chapter 5. Put a marker there. That's at the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 5. Put a marker there. And then flip to the middle of the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 3. Revelation chapter 5. Put a marker there. And Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, I'm continuing in a series today called uh, The Greater Work. Okay, this is the third message in this series, and it's been a series on prayer. And I'm excited to deliver this message to you today. I really am excited. Uh, today is also a Vision Sunday for us uh, here at Cultivate. And this is a day where I share what I sense that the Lord, what we sense that the Lord is leading us to focus on specifically in 2024. So I'm gonna share briefly uh, some things with you, and then I'm going to transition into the message, and they they go hand in hand. Uh, but I feel like the Lord has clearly indicated to me that prayer should be the greatest focus of my ministry and of our church, the greatest focus. Um, when we when we talk about vision, uh, our vision as a church has not changed. It's never changed from uh, its inception. Uh, our vision is to see people saved, set free from the bondage of sin and growing every day in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the vision of our church. It's simple. It's something that you can repeat, something that you can remember. So everything that we feel like the Lord is leading us to focus on, uh, it's rooted in the overall vision of seeing people saved, set free and growing. Back in September, our elders um, and our leadership, we were working on several initiatives. Launching our deacons ministry was one of them. Uh, focusing on looking for our next facility. We were exploring additional staff persons. Uh, and then the Lord in a elder meeting in September, the Lord clearly spoke to us. And the word was, wait on me. And we sensed God's speaking to us around the table that night. And we acknowledged what he said to us. And we agreed together with the Lord. And we unified, cried out to God. And we told the Lord, we hear you clearly. We will wait on you. We will not go another step until you tell us to. We won't do it. We will not get ahead of you. If you don't go before us, we won't go. We won't go. So we said we'll wait and committed uh, our time of waiting to seek the Lord and keeping the main things the main thing. We're like, we know we want to see people saved, set free, and growing. We know that the Lord has told us that, so that's what we're going to do. Now, I don't like waiting. I'm not a waiter. I don't like it. Uh, but out of the waiting, the Lord has been doing a work in me 
And I know he's been doing a work in us. In the waiting. While we've stayed steady as a church and as leadership, we've stayed steady. We've been fine-tuning our processes and procedures. We've been streamlining our work and getting focused on what the Lord has for us ahead. And I want to tell you the four major areas that I believe that the Lord has led us to focus on this year. Now, they're not the only areas, but they're the four major ones. If you're taking notes, you can certainly uh, mark these down. The first is this. The very first thing that the Lord is calling us to focus in on in 2024 is prayer first. Prayer first. First in our homes, first in this church. I've been praying personally, Lord, teach me how to pray prayers that you're going to answer. I've been begging God, teach me how to pray those kinds of prayers. Turn me into a prayer machine. That's what I want to be. I want to be a praying machine. And some ways that I feel like the Lord would lead us to in 2024 is to elevate our prayer services. We have a monthly prayer service and it is a wonderful, powerful, enriching time. We have them here on our campus and uh, so to elevate our prayer service. The other thing would be expanding our pastor prayer partner circle. So what you might not know is every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., uh, after sound checks are done in here, uh, there's a small group. Uh, it's a rotating group that that come and they they meet in the kitchen and they pray over uh, me and they pray over this service and they pray for you every Sunday morning. And uh, they're they're what I call pastors prayer partners. They're they're partners with me and they come and they they pray over me and they pray over you. And so uh, I want to bolster that effort and, and bring additional persons in there that feel led to do that. The other thing is to develop a rotation of people uh, dedicated to pray during the worship service. So here's the vision there, uh, that we have uh, persons uh, that are, would be on rotation. It doesn't have to be many, but are in a separate room, but they're praying from 10.30 when this service starts till we're done. And they're praying for you. They're praying for the message. They're praying for every song that's being sung. They're praying for every person that's in here, for every soul. They're praying for people to be saved. They're praying for people to be set free from the bondage of sin. They're praying for growth, but they're there and they're undergirding the gathering ministry of this church in prayer at the same time that we're meeting. The other thing is to uh, find a dedicated space in this building for people with the gifts of intercessory prayer and the gift of the prophetic to pray and encourage people before and after our services. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a place where you could walk in the door, grab your coffee, go into a room where there are people that have the gift of intercessory prayer and the prophetic to encourage you, and you can go in and you can tell them, hey, here's what I need prayer about. They can lay hands on you, use their gift of intercessory prayer, and they can encourage you and pray, and then you walk right on here in here ready to worship the Lord. And then if the Lord speaks to you, here in the service and you need prayer afterwards and we've already dismissed, you can go right back into that room or go into that room and there are people there readied to lay hands on you and pray over you and encourage you. Wouldn't that be powerful? A powerful undergirding to this church family in prayer. 
So prayer first. The point is, now I want you to listen to me. The point is making prayer the first place we turn, the next place we turn, and the last place we turn. Here's the second thing, leadership development. Leadership development, focusing on leadership development. With our elders, with our leadership teams, with our staff, and with our teachers. And we can do, we do that systematically and, and leading there. The establishment of a finance ministry team where we have lay leaders coming alongside of us, helping us in those directions. We've had that, that's built into our governance structure and we're ready to do so. Uh, if the Lord allows the establishment of the deacon ministry team and developing that uh, leadership, uh, the children's ministry teachers and helpers in every church I've ever served in and every pastor I've ever talked to, children's ministry is the least served ministry ministry in the church, but yet one of the most needed ministries to be undergirded within the body because we're teaching and we're raising up the next generation to serve and love the Lord. We need teachers and helpers to stand the gap and teach and love our children every week. We need that. And so we hope to develop that. Another thing that we're doing organizationally and we're already in the process is we're establishing a job description for every single job, staff and lay led in this church. That way, when the Lord speaks to us and he, and he calls you to an area of ministry, we can go and we can meet together and we can have a job description in hand and we can say, this is exactly what this job is. Here's exactly what we need for you to do. And we can equip you and release you to do that ministry. So organizational leadership development. The third thing that we're gonna be focusing on in 2024 in God's good grace would be discipleship development. We believe that the Lord has clarified for us the five marks of a disciple. And I'm gonna tell you what they are and then I'm going to explain them. The five marks of a disciple that we believe the Lord has clarified for us are this. You're growing, you're loving, you're understanding, you're fulfilling, and you're multiplying. I'm gonna say it again. So if you're writing that down, you are growing, you're loving, you're understanding, you're fulfilling, and you're multiplying. Those are the five marks of a disciple. Now, let me explain them to you. The growing means that a mark of a disciple is you are growing in your personal relationship with the Lord. You are growing every day, meaning you're not the same today that you were a month ago or a year ago or five years ago. Your life looks different because of your walk with the Lord. It's you're getting into the word on your own. It's not just when you come here and hear this preaching or sit under a Bible study class. You're getting in the word on your own. You're studying for yourselves. You're developing habits of being in the word and prayer habits. You're developing habits to hear and understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. You're growing in your personal walk with the Lord. The other thing is loving each other. We're loving each other, doing life together, serving one another. We've developed healthy boundaries with one another. We have deference for one another. That means giving respect and esteem to one another. Here's the deal. You won't be loving one another if you're not growing in your personal walk with the Lord. That has to come first. Then when you're growing, a mark of a disciple is you're gonna be loving. You're going to be loving. The other is understanding and fulfilling. I've combined those two together, understanding and fulfilling your purpose. You understand what your purpose is, you know what your calling is, and you're fulfilling your 
purpose, every person fully being aware of their spiritual gifts and callings. We wanna make sure that every person has the opportunity to do that. And the last thing of a mark of a disciple is involved in multiplying. Guess what that means? You're sharing the gospel, you're inviting people to come to cultivate with you, and you're helping other people start the discipleship process, and that would be growing in their relationship with the Lord. When you get to the point where you understand and fulfilling your purpose, you're gonna get to the point where you won't be able to stop the process of multiplying. It's going to be something that naturally comes from you. You're going to want, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to put people in your path that you're going to be able to disciple and help them start on their walk and their journey with the Lord, help them grow, and then help them learn to love and help them understand and fulfill their purpose and then help them multiply. That's how the church grows. That's how the church grows. That's God's design for all of us. Now, in addition to focusing on developing the five marks of the disciple, which are done primarily in the Bible study class, that's where they're done primarily, then we would seek to fine tune a life enrichment track. And these tracks would include uh, lessons or studies such as a foundations of faith class that we we would teach foundations for new believers or people coming into the faith. We perhaps maybe a class on Israel and learning and understanding uh, God's call to the people of Israel and what our response is and what our call is. Uh, or maybe there's a maybe there's an enrichment class about uh, biblical stewardship and finance that we could offer that you could be a part of and that someone here is gifted to teach that. Or maybe it's a, a a class on family or marriage that we could offer to strengthen our families and our marriages and raising children that you could be a part of. Life enrichment tracks. The fourth thing that we will focus on in 2024 is our long range planning direction. The long range planning direction. Now, many of you may not know, but we do have a lay leadership team in place uh, for a future facility. So they're, they're gathered and they're, they're looking and discussing they, people that have gifts in finance or people that have gifts in real estate or and understand what they're looking for. We have a team in place and they're working on our behalf. Uh, we've been working for over a year and a half now uh, asking God to show us the next place for us. Uh, we've been here now about two years, uh, 21 to do, yeah, two years, a little over. And into this building, and uh, we're running out of space. We believe God wants us to grow. So we're asking God, God, show us uh, what the next place is for us. Uh, we want to answer the questions, if the Lord will, to bring clarity, are we to build or we to or, or, or build, uh, buy, purchase land and build, or are we to find a facility that we would buy and outfit? Uh, we wanna clarify that, if the Lord would. Uh, then it would be how we would finance that. How would we move forward as a church? Uh, how would we manage our finances and steward them in such a way that would put us in the best possible position to manage uh, future growth that way? We're asking God to give us a timeline on that. If if we if the Lord leads us there, it won't be immediate. Uh, so we would ask him for his timeline there. And then we would obviously ask him for that right location to do so. 
And then that raises the question, if the Lord's answering those kinds of questions, then it raises the question, what do we do while we wait in the meantime? How do we structure and organize uh, in where we do? Uh, what we're doing right now, do we go to multiple services? When do we pull the trigger to go to multiple services? What does that look like? Uh, the staffing that would be, be required to do that and the leadership. So all of those questions, we're hoping that the praying that the Lord would bring into focus on long range planning for us and answer those questions. Here's the point. I'm not moving forward unless the Lord leads us. We, uh, this church will not, we will not do it on our own strength. I refuse. We're not gonna make something happen. When the Lord says, wait, we wait. But when he says, go, we go. And he'll make that clear to all of us. So, it's, here's how you can remember that. Prayer, leadership, discipleship, future planning. That's what we plan to focus on in 2024. Prayer, discipleship, leadership, future planning. What does God have for us? Now, here's what I know. We cannot and will not be a growing spirit-filled church, seeing people saved, set free and growing. And we will not see a move to a new facility. We will not see leaders developed. We will not see ministries launched and the kingdom of God expanded unless we choose to cooperate with God in prayer. That's why prayer first. Our foundation must be prayer. This house as long as I'm the pastor of this church, shall be a house of prayer. And our spiritual muscles of prayer must be developed. This means you and I must be people of prayer and, and on our face before God in our homes, building our lives on prayer. We must understand how prayer works. We need to be people who understand what God's will is. We must join together in force and with persistence, knocking on the doors of heaven, petitioning our great God for a great outpouring on our lives and on this church. We do not have time to play around with pettiness as the people of God. We must be dedicated to the greater work of prayer. There are no shortcuts. Our prayers must be informed by the Spirit. They must be in unity. They must be sincere. They must be constant. And they must be aligned with the will of God. That's why I'm going to continue this series on the greater work. And that's why at the conclusion of this message today, I'm going to ask those who are members and regular attenders of Cultivate Church to come to the altar as a demonstration of unity and seriousness and accountability to God and to each other that we will commit to specifically praying for the month of February and beyond for God to pour out over this church. Prepare yourselves for the invitation today. Now, before we read our message and get to the points, I wanna ask you some questions. Are you ready? You're gonna have to answer them out loud. Okay. Does God have all power to accomplish above and beyond what we have just said? Does God answer prayers prayed according to his will? Yes. Have you ever prayed for results and you didn't see the results that you were praying for? 
of course. For God to release his power, do we need to pray? Yes, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then. Over and over again in scripture, it says, because you prayed, because you prayed. See, prayer is a partnership. It's a partnership between God and us. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, and you know this part, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. And then he tells us a little clue. If you want to know the will of God, he says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks always. Rejoice always. Now, now, I'm going to ask you some questions that I want you to think about. Because now this is leading into the message. Hadn't gotten there yet. Now, I want you to think about these. Don't answer them out loud, okay? Do we petition God enough to get him to release his power? Does praying about something too much bother God? If we bother him enough, will he do something? Does God require a certain amount of prayer for certain situations? I want you to just think about those through the course of this message. The title of the message today is Why Should I Keep Praying? Why should I keep on? Why should I? Why should I pray? And I want to show you why we should join together and petition God continually in this next month. We're going to pray. Stan, we're going to read our passage in Ephesians 3. I'm going to ask you if you stand in honor of reading of God's word. Here's what we do at Cultivate Church. We pray before we read the word, asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us into all truth and understanding the word. So would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, We stand in the honor of reading of your word and Holy Spirit, we need your teaching today. We need to hear from you. I bind up and I rebuke anything that would keep us from hearing and understanding the word of God. And I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And I declare that your truth will go forward, Lord. And I pray that you empower me as your servant to deliver good food for hungry people. Desperate to hear from you. So speak. Do what I cannot do. Please. I beg you. Do a work. Change us, God, as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14 and go all the way to 21. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Paul saying this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, look at this, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. That make his home, but that's dwell. That's to dwell in your hearts. As you trust in him, look at this. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love 
is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. God bless the reading of his word. Here's why we should keep praying. If you're taking notes, here's why we should keep praying. Here's number one. God has demonstrated or deposited. God has deposited his power in us. God has deposited his power in us. Now, this point is extremely important. It's important theology to understand. See, when we understand this about prayer, that God has deposited his power in us, see, we'll become praying people. If you're not a praying person already, it's because you really might not understand the power that God has deposited in you as a believer. Here's scripture that shows this truth. Luke 24, 49 says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking, just as my father promised, but stay here in this city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with, what's the word? power from heaven and fills you with power. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive, say it with me, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. All right, now both of these verses, they're referring to the Holy Spirit and he, he, the Holy Spirit is the deposit of power on your life. He is God's promise to positive power on your life. See, that's why it's so important to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to walk in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit, to worship in the Spirit. That's why it's important. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit or you don't even know if you do, then I guarantee you don't. You will not be walking in the power that's been deposited into you. Satan wants you to be afraid of the Holy Spirit and his power. Did you know that? So you you know why? Because so you won't access it. He does not want you to access the power that is already deposited in you. The power of the Holy Spirit is what makes our prayers powerful and effective and within the will of God. See, when we pray, if you boil it down, when we pray, we're either praying in the flesh which are prayers with no power or we're praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, one or the other. When you offer a prayer, you're either praying in the flesh, which gets nowhere, or you're praying in the power of the Spirit, one or the other. So you can guarantee, guarantee, that if you're not walking in the Spirit, if you are not in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, your prayers and your actions for the glory of God will be thwarted and ineffective. That's the truth. All right, now, I want to quote Ephesians 3.20, one of the verses we just read. I want to quote it from you in the New King James Version because I like the way they say it. Now, listen to this. Don't look there. I'm just going to quote it. Now, now, listen. Don't go past this screen, Taylor. All right, you with me? Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. All right, now, we all know that verse, right? You've heard it. You know it. But without looking, don't look, don't cheat. Without looking 
Can anybody tell me what the rest of that verse says? All right, I heard it. No, okay, here it is. All right, I'm gonna read you the, I'm gonna read you the whole verse. I'm gonna read you the whole verse. Most people I ask can't, can't finish that. Here it is. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, here's the last part of that, according to the power that works in us. That's the part that we often miss out on in that. According to the power that works in us. This is good, isn't it? Now I'll come back to that last phrase in a second. According to the power of the word, I'll come back to that in a minute. But this is an amazing verse. See, God can do all that we could ever ask or prayer in prayer or think. He can do all of it. But not just all. See, I don't know if you notice this in this passage particularly, the Holy Spirit, when he was inspiring Paul to write this scripture, he decided that the word all wasn't enough. So he added, the Holy Spirit added, exceedingly, abundantly, and above. See, he could have left those words out and that verse would mean the same, wouldn't it? But he put it in there for a reason. All right, now here's the question. If God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we could ask or think, then why doesn't he? Why doesn't he? See, now you thought that question before. I know you well enough to know that. I've thought that question before. I've asked it. That question's even been brought up in my home in the last few weeks. Why didn't God do it? We've prayed. We've asked God to intervene. We've called on the name of the Lord. We believe that he is able. Then the question is, then why didn't he? Why didn't he heal? Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he do answer our prayer? Now let's get to the last phrase of this verse because here's where the rubber meets the road here. According to the power at work in us, that word according in the Greek, and I know you love it when I speak Greek to you, but that word according in the Greek is the word kata, kata, K-A-T-A. It's a word that denotes measurement, measurement. It means, literally means to measure out. You're measuring out, but it's not talking about his measurement because he's already given in full. It's talking about our measuring. Now read that differently. And it's specifically talking about distribution. So here's my question now. How much of God's power are you measuring out? How much of God's power that's in you are you measuring out? How much of God's power are you measuring out over your family? That convicted me. How much of God's power are you distributing to the situation where you need God to work at right now? How much power are you measuring out? Is it possible, just possible, that God has already done his job of depositing his power in us and now it's our turn to measure it out and distribute it? That's something to think about, isn't it? Let me say it another way and this might shock you a little bit, but I'm gonna back it up. God has all power, but his unlimited power is limited in my life by my prayer. I'm gonna say it again. God has all power. He can do anything he wants to anytime he wants to. But his unlimited power is limited by, in my life by my prayer. Now, here's the deal. If we really believed that Prayer has the power we say it does. If we really believed it, we'd be pouring out our prayers all over the place. 
Now, I want to show you what I mean. And you'll be like, okay, I get what you're saying. Do you remember the story in Mark when Jesus passed through his hometown of Nazareth, where his family lived? And this was his hometown crowd. This is where he came from. Grew up there. They all know little Jesus. Little Jesus. Mark 6, 5 says this, and you'll remember this, seeing it'll connect with you. It says, and because of their unbelief, he, Jesus, couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Now, did Jesus have full power to do anything he wanted to in that city? Of course he did. But because we're in a partnership, he could find no person there that he could partner with because of their unbelief. And I guarantee you, if they were unbelieving, they weren't praying. I wonder how many times as part of the family, as part of the hometown Christian crowd, we've innocently or ignorantly got it wrong because we did not understand the nature of God. We didn't understand his sovereignty or his immutability and how that plays a part in our our prayer. Remember how we learned about that in the first week? We didn't understand that God's power actually resides in us, his full power, and we did not understand. And because we did not understand that, we prayed puny prayers, maybe a few times, maybe a little more, but we halfway believed that he can answer our prayers. And then we say, well, he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. And we use that statement to mask our unbelief. We'll just cover it there. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's sovereign. It's a statement that often masks our unbelief if you don't understand what sovereign means. Now listen to me. We either believe he's all powerful and that his power resides in us and we're in a partnership with him and he will answer and it's his will to answer prayer. You either believe that or you don't. And halfway belief is no belief at all. And your unbelief is shortchanging the life-changing power that you're measuring out. Your unbelief is doing that. So number one, he's deposited full power in us. Here's number two. We must release his power through prayer. All right, now before we go to Revelation, that's in the last point, I wanna read you a passage about where Jesus uses an analogy about his power that he's deposited in us. It's in John chapter seven, by the way. And you don't have to turn there. We'll put it on the screen so you can see it. And Jesus uses an analogy about the power that he gives us and he uses it and he says it's a river. And here's what I want you to think about when I read this passage. I, I wanna ask this question for you. How wide is your river? How wide is it? Is it teeming and gushing with life or is it a trickling stream or maybe sometimes a little dried up. I want you to think about that. John 7, 37, this is Jesus. On the last day, the great day of the feast. Now I'll explain that to you in a minute. Jesus stood and cried out. Imagine Jesus crying out. And he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke, he was talking about concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus had not 
yet uh, resurrected and the Holy Spirit had not yet come, but he was telling them about it. Now, here's what's happening. I'll tell you the, the history here. There's an eight-day feast in Jerusalem, okay, that Jesus is here. He's participating in. He's sitting in this feast, eight days. For seven of those eight days, they prayed for living water. The, the people of Israel, they cried out and they prayed for living water, okay? Uh, this is actually based on a prophecy and an actual event. So they have, they developed this um, this practice out of a prophecy and an event. Um, do you remember when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness and Moses spoke to the rock one time and water came out? And then do you remember the second time the Lord said, speak to it again, but he struck it and water came out? Okay, so he spoke, he struck, but water came out of the rock. Okay, that was a miraculous thing for the people, and they called that living water. That's what they called it. They said, "This is the living water coming out of the rock." Okay, uh, so that's what they—that's the occurrence that they talk about. The prophecy actually that also informs this practice of theirs comes from Zechariah fourteen eight that prophesies that God is going to flow living water out of Jerusalem again. Okay, so that's a prophetic word that He had given to them, and they knew that. So they gathered in Jerusalem for eight days. And they, for seven days, they prayed for living water from heaven. That's supernatural living water. Now, I need you to mark that in your brain. They prayed supernat for supernatural for seven days, living water. On the eighth day, their prayers shifted, and then they just prayed for rain in the natural. Seven days of supernatural, praying supernatural. The last day, they just prayed for the natural. Now, that's important to understand. Follow me. So on this feast, Jesus is sitting here at the feast. They've prayed for seven days for living water. Okay, they've been praying for it. Before they started to pray for rain on the eighth day, Jesus stands up here in this passage. He stands up and raises and he shouts out, I'm the living water that you've been praying for for the past seven days. I'm the answer to your prayers no need to pray for anything else. I'm the answer to your prayers. Then Jesus makes this statement. He says, the one who believes in me out of his heart will flow living water. Now remember, living water is supernatural. It's a supernatural flow of a supernatural God coming out of you. Then he told him about the Holy Spirit. He was speaking of that, which the Holy Spirit in us, it's supernatural. Now you remember the passage that we've already said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, you will receive supernatural power when the supernatural Holy Spirit comes on you. And what's the Holy Spirit gonna do when he comes on you? He's gonna flow out of your heart. He's gonna flow out of you. That's just what he does. He does not stay contained unless you contain him. So here's the question. How much of the Holy Spirit's power, supernatural power is flowing out of you? See, that's the question. If you believe that God has deposited the Holy Spirit in you and we just read that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, how much of God's Holy Spirit power is flowing out of you? See, because God has fulfilled his promise of depositing power. He's done his part. But it's either you're regulating the power and you're just praying for rain? 
or you're praying for supernatural living water and asking God to release his full power and you're surrendered to all control. You following me? Could it be, could it be that you have your hand on the faucet of God's power for your life? And you're just, all you're doing is just praying in the natural for rain. And you're in control of that flow. Oh, I'm scared of that. Oh, I don't want, oh, that's what I understand. Oh, and you're just on and off, on and off, on and off now. You know what? You know what I thought about when this illustration? Some people have more faith in the hot water faucet than they do in prayer. See, we turn on the hot water. I don't know about your house, but in my house, I feel like the hot water's at the end of the neighborhood, the hot water tank. And we we turn it on and we'll stand and we'll, you know, wait. We'll wait for the water to warm up. We wait and we wait and we wait. But here's what we do in prayer. See, we wait because we know it's going to turn hot at some point, we hope. Here's what we do in prayer, though. We turn the prayer faucet on. We feel that the water's cold. We turn it off. Turn it on. It's cold. Turn it off. Turn it on. A little later. Oh, it's still cold. We turn it off. We stop praying. We stop the flow. Instead of knowing and believing that if we leave the prayer faucet on, it may feel cold at first, but listen to me, brothers and sisters, it's going to get hot. Why did Elijah pray seven times for something that God already said, I'm gonna do? Why did Elijah pray? God had already told him, it's gonna pray, Elijah, but Elijah prayed seven times anyway. I just wonder, I just wonder if he was releasing the power of the, to fulfill the word of God over his life. I just wonder. Why did Daniel pray for 21 days? Why did he do that? See, he fasted and prayed. And do you remember that the angel came to him on day 21 and he said, from the first day you prayed, Daniel, I was dispatched with the answer to your prayer, but I ran into some demon slugs and I had to battle it until backup came. I was held up, but I was dispatched the first day you prayed. But because you kept praying, I was able to get through and get to you. I was able to get through. Listen to me. When you pray in faith the will of God and for his mighty hand to move in your life or in someone else's life and you're praying for healing and you're praying for a breakthrough, those are prayers that God will answer. He wants to answer those prayers. That's his character. That's his nature. He wants to do that. Just know that there is an enemy warfare that we're wrestling with and it will do anything It can to stop the answer to your prayers, but praise God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we must be persistent in our prayers and pray until the water heats up. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to pour out on you like a raging river. What if Daniel would have stopped praying after 20 days? What if he would have been so close and would have stopped praying after 20 days? I'm just wondering What you've prayed about, has it already been done in the heavens, but we need to move it from heaven to earth? Has the answer to your prayer already been answered, but we need to move it from heaven to earth and cooperating with God through praying? 
Ephesians 1.3 says, all, pray, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Here's a question. How many, how many spiritual blessings have you been equipped with? How many? All of them, every single one of them. You've been equipped with them. So then why don't you see them in your life? Because you have to move it from heaven to earth in agreement with God in prayer. You have to do that. See, the work has been done, but it depends on what we're going to do now and how we're going to respond. So we have to release his power through our prayers. Here's number three. Here's the final point today. Now, I love this point. God adds or joins his power to our prayers. God adds his power to our prayers. Now, flip on over to Revelation 5. That's where you've been marking, you've been holding that line for so long. Revelation 5. Now, I want you to listen to this. We're going to go chapter 5, and then we're going to flip over to chapter 8. But chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Now, when he, that's Jesus, okay, this is Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, and look at this, and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. Who are the saints? We're the saints. All right. Now, Revelation 8, verse 1 and 2 says this. When he opened the seventh seal, Jesus, by the way, he's the only one that's worthy enough to open this, the scroll. There was a silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and to them were given seven trumpets. So they passed out trumpets to them. Then another angel, here comes up another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. Now, a censer, um, in, uh, in Catholicism, you, you will have recognized this, and maybe other, I don't know, other uh, denominations too. But the censer is, uh, have you ever seen where the priest will walk down the aisle and he's swinging and it's burning incense in it and smoke's coming out of it and he's swinging that coming down the aisle? Okay, that's a censer. That, that container is a censer, okay? Um, and it's, it's where the incense is burned, all right? So just picture that in your mind. So this angel was given a censer with incense in it. He was given much incense, says, that he should offer it, look at this, with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So we've got the throne of God. We've got the golden altar. We've got the angel with the censers and we've got the bowls with the prayers of the saints, okay? All right. And the smoke of the incense, okay, with the prayers of the saints mixed together, ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar, God's holy altar, and threw it on the earth. So it moved from heaven to earth. And there were noises, thundering, lightning, and an earthquake. In other words, it affected earth when it got here. So something in the supernatural, when it came, it affected the natural. Are right, you following me? This imagery that he's giving here. Now here's what's going on, so just, just follow me. There are these bowls in heaven, according to scripture, these bowls with our prayers in them before the throne of God. And then there's the censer with the incense burning in it. 
and the angel mixes our prayers that are in the bowls. He mixes them with the incense on the altar before God. Okay, he puts it on the altar and then it, it rises. Okay, then there's this angel then who comes up and his assignment is to add God's fire from the holy altar to our prayers in the censure and throw it back down to earth. Isn't that a cool picture? This fire and the power of God is the power of God that he promises when his people pray. Did you know that? Listen to me. I believe that this is the same fire that fell from heaven at Mount Carmel when Elijah prayed. I believe that this is the same fire that stood before Israel and the people of Egypt when Moses prayed. I believe that this is the same fire that fell on the day of Pentecost when the 120 people were in the upper room praying. And it's the same fire that God wants to throw down on us if we would just pray. Here's the question that comes to my mind. How full are your bowls? How full are your prayer bowls? So you have a bowl that's for your family. You might have a bowl for your marriage. You might have a bowl for your kids. You might have a bowl for this church. All these bowls in heaven. How much time have you spent filling the bowls with your prayers over these issues? How much time have you spent with the power of God measuring out the power and through prayer over these things in your life? If you could see the bowls, how full would they be? See, our time of fasting and prayer is a call to cultivate church, to unify our prayers, to fill up the prayer bowls in heaven and watch God's fire and the answer to our prayers fall from heaven. That's what this call is. See, it's time for the incense of our prayers to rise to the altar of God. So the question is today, Will you pray? Will you keep praying? Will you pray without ceasing? Will you pray earnestly? Will you seek and pray the will of God? Will you surrender and release the power of God in your life through prayer? Listen to me. Listen to me, church. Keep praying. And then when you finish, keep praying. And then when you finish, keep praying and keep praying and keep 